With Christmas only a week and a half away, we thought we'd do a slightly festive episode looking at Christmas shopping. The six weeks prior to Christmas are the highest spending time for Brits, with £78 billion spent at retailers in this period last year. Yes, in fact, the final three months of the year is called the Golden Quarter, as the period when historically shops make a large proportion of their sales and profits. But in a year like no other, how different will Christmas look for businesses in 2020? Today we'll hear from retail analyst and expert Claire Bailey about the state of the high street over the festive period. We are also speaking to fashion label Sosanda to get their perspective on this time of year, as well as their COVID-affected year more generally. From the Investors Chronicle, I'm Megan Boxall. And I'm John Human. Welcome to Not Your Normal Finance Show. Um, John, the retailers, one of your favourite things to talk about. Used to be. <laughs> Used to be when I covered retail. And, uh, and Christmas as well. Have you started, finished your Christmas shopping? I haven't started my Christmas shopping. You haven't started your Christmas shopping? No. What? We've been quite busy. <laughs> we have been quite busy. <laughs> um, so, no, I haven't, and I've not been feeling very festive, so uh, no Christmas shopping has been done so far this year. Oh dear. And you? I, I'm pretty much done. Had a little trip to Oxford Street today to uh, get a last minute Spurs shirt. It's actually not even last minute, but it's relatively last minute if the shops all close down tomorrow. Yeah, that's true. That's impressive. Was it busy? It was very busy. Really surprisingly busy. I was, uh, yes, I was very, very surprised. I ran from, I mean, the city is very, very quiet, obviously. Ran through Covent Garden and there are so many people in Covent Garden and so many people on Oxford Street, but no one here. No, no, the city is dead and will be even deader come tier three tomorrow. I have a quiz question for you, which we will reveal the answer to at the end of the... uh, at the end of the podcast, it's just a little question. How much do you think the average Brit spends on stocking fillers? Or is set to spend on stocking fillers this year? 50 quid. We'll let you know at the end of the podcast. You've got a whole 20 minutes of anticipation. <laughs> I mean, they didn't, use, they didn't cost 50 quid when I was a kid. 50 quid sounds like quite a lot. Yeah, but I don't you actually know. know. I haven't scrolled to the end to find out the answer yet. But uh, I, uh, that, that sounds like a lot of money. We were living in an extravagant age. Mm. When I was a kid, you got a tangerine and a bag of shiny coppers. And a what? Bag of shiny coppers. Really? Polished copper coins. What, in your stocking? Mm-hmm. And some nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. What did you do with your copper coins? Yeah, I grew up in the Victorian. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's a weird old tradition, but, uh, you know, there you go. So what did you, did you spend your copper coins? Did you just have a bag loads of copper coins? I haven't still got them. <laughs> so I assumed so. They'd go in the piggy bank. One of the NatWest ones? One of the NatWest piggy banks <laughs> that I showed you the other day. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the one. Um, yeah, well, no, no, I, do, I mean, I, I splash out on Christmas stockings. Smaller gifts go in there. They can be quite expensive. Well, we'll see. We'll see whether you're right with your 50 quid. Um... Or whether you are uh, an over-extravagant Christmas stocking filler. Probably. Well, if you haven't braved the high streets yet this year, our producer, John Rogers, went to do some Christmas shopping on Saturday and he's talked us through his experience. I've come down to Carnaby Street uh, for a little bit of Christmas shopping with friends <laughs> Alice and Emma. Emma, would you say it's, uh, would you say it's busy today? Very 
busy. Do you know what? It's, no, but it's not as busy as I think it is normally for this time of year. It However, it's troublingly busy. I'm wearing my mask currently. What are so you? I feel a bit worried. What uh, What gifts are you looking for today? I'm not actually looking for any gifts because I've done all my Christmas shopping because I'm organised. I'm looking for some oven gloves. I'm looking for some um, soap, some candles. I want to get some wrapping paper. I need to get some toys for my nephews. It's going to be a good day. It's board games and dog toys for me, so we're going to see what we can get. Just inside Liberty in Carnaby Street. I've never been before, actually. I understand it's, it's pretty famous. Um... Not sure I'll be buying anything though, just spotted a seahorse brooch for £13,000, so um, look, I'll come back to it if I need to. We've moved from Carnaby Street to Regent Street now, it's looking pretty busy, uh, they've closed the road, it's pedestrianised, and um, yeah, we're going to head up to Hamley's now, and I'll try and speak to a member of staff to see uh, how busy it's been this year. On the weekdays, it's been pretty uh, consistent. I wouldn't say overly busy, but last Saturday was definitely like a very, very busy day. It was a normal Saturday for us. Even today, this is a normal Saturday. But the reason why it's not flooded with people is because of the legal limit of how many people are allowed in the building. Otherwise, we're at full capacity. We can just see that by the amount of people that are walking around the floor. So like, last year, it was like rammed compared to this. Yeah. To walk from one side of the floor to another took about at least 10 minutes. If you're a customer, 15 minutes. But you can manoeuvre around now. There's not yeah. that many people. It's a little so. bit of space. Yeah. Yeah. Right, on to Bond Street now. Uh, where are we going, guys? We're going to go John Louis. Louis. John Louis. John Lewis. Walking through uh, John Lewis now, I'm actually a bit lost because it's quite a big store. Uh, somehow ended up in the bedding section. Um, but as you can probably hear, it's not too busy up here. The ground floor is rammed actually, but uh, the top four floors, not so busy. Not so busy. I've managed to pick up a board game and a few Christmas cards. Uh, and now I'm going to grab a wee coffee and have a sit down okay so we're having a having a little debrief after our day of shopping a nice socially distanced outdoor bar safety first uh alice how was your haul today my haul was i would say mediocre um i'm not a very good shopper i get very frustrated and impatient and the crowds in oxford street today were quite overwhelming but i did get some stuff from hamley's that was a sensory overload experience my nephew, I got some oven mitts for my mother-in-law, some socks for myself, and a candle for my sister in the sale. But I would say is that I found it a bit troubling about how crazy it was all in there. Yeah, it was busy. There was literally no social distancing going on. Don't know about how you guys felt, but I did feel a bit. Lots like, of the retail workers didn't have masks on, yeah. as well, which is really strange. Well, you say that. I thought the upstairs in John Lewis was pretty empty, actually. Okay. Yeah, John Lewis. But as ever, because it's John Lewis, I would expect. I less. love them, and they are so organised with their yeah. systems. Although it, it was definitely very empty compared to normal. Thanks for thanks for talking to us, guys. So in that clip, John makes it sound like there's a bit of an unhappy medium at the moment between it being too busy for it to be COVID safe, but also less busy than a normal year for these big high street retailers. And my experience in Oxford Street today, I would 100% agree with that. It, people 
People don't seem to be too worried about coronavirus on Oxford Street. I mean, there is generally quite a lot of mask wearing going on, but not a huge amount. And big queues for um, for the tills and things like that. But but I wouldn't say the footfall is exceptionally high for a week left to go until Christmas. Um, so yeah, it's just it's not a great situation all round. No, I, I, I mean we've seen some numbers from retailers this year. They've they've been pretty awful. Um, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, this is this is where they aim often do make most of their money uh, mm. the, the lead up to Christmas. Um, and yeah, people, I, I mean, I, you know, it's not exactly the most Christmassy year no. that we've had. There's lots of you know lots of speculation about who you can or can't or won't be able to spend Christmas with. You know, I guess that affects who you're going to buy for. Well, yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to go and see your granny. Why uh, well, are you going to buy a present? present. <laughs> <laughs> now you bought your vaccine. <laughs> um, yeah, and obviously it's uh, it's less painful if you joke about it, but it is it's a pretty pretty miserable old world out there at the moment, and that's certainly being reflected in the numbers from the retailers and the fact that a lot of them are already closing down, going bust, and we haven't even got to the end of the coronavirus crisis yet. I mean, Arcadia was the latest, I guess. Uh, there may have been some smaller retailers around the country. I suspect there are. Yeah, I'm uh, sure there are. Those businesses have been hit very hard, particularly mm. smaller businesses by, by, by restrictions. Um, Debenhams, obviously, there's been a bit of an ongoing saga there. Will someone buy it? Won't someone buy it when it's liquidation? But, I mean, these businesses have been struggling for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. But it does seem like this period of difficulty has tipped them over the edge. Not to say that they wouldn't have gone there anyway, um, they they just don't have an online um, offering, or Arcadia's brands certainly don't have an online offering that can compete with the likes of Boohoo and ASOS, which are it's tar- the same target market. Um, so yeah, it was it was probably heading that way anyway. But this is the uh, has been the final straw for a company like that, and yeah, and it's not just the big companies like Arcadia, which is twenty five thousand or so jobs that have gone from Arcadia and Debenhams, if no one. No one buys them, but um, but there's so many other smaller shops, smaller high street shops, which how can they possibly survive when the restrictions are coming and going and there's uncertainty and people are nervous and the shops aren't big enough and they have to employ the staff and it's just really, really difficult. And they struggle to com- compete online as well. Absolutely. You know, when you've got the sort of might of Amazon and the sophistication of the systems that, that run that business and you're a small retailer on high street, you just cannot stack up against Against someone like Amazon, it's it's a pretty pretty difficult place to be. But then you know, someone like Debenhams was trying to get its online offer right for a long, long time. It just just couldn't make it. Um, just couldn't make it work. Um, and you know, but the thing is, it's about the model. Really, the department store model is is troubled. And we we saw you know retail, uh, big department store retail, retailers in the US uh, going under. No surprise to see the same happen here. No surprise to see Mark Spencer struggling, retrenching from the high street. Um, John Lewis uh, is is not in a great place. Um, mm. So, you know, the Waitrose side doing well, the, the department store side not so well. Um, yeah, the, the world is changing. We've seen it over the years. Yeah. HMV disappeared because music went online. Bookshop, bookshops disappeared because Amazon's ate their lunch. Bookshops are now coming back again, though, because uh, Amazon wants to keep selling physical books. It's, Amazon is a very controlling power in the in the retail space as to an extent is Mike Ashley who is certainly doing all he can to control the the decline of the British high street and he actually looks he points at 
cities in America which have lost their department stores and lost their high streets, and they've become shells of, of what they were. Detroit is one of the cities that he talks about a lot and is terrified that the UK is going to go that way. And it's, it's true, we don't, want our, we don't want our town centres heading the same way as some of the cities in America, which don't really have anything apart from offices and, and residential. And it's not really a, a thriving community when there's nothing, nothing there for people to come and do. No, absolutely. No, I do. I do like local shops. Um, you know, where where I live, always always try and put my business their way if I can. But you know, this year has been been odd. And you know, even if I want to do that, do I really want to go out shopping at the moment? Do I want to brave those Oxford Street crowds? Do I even want to brave the High Street crowds where where I live? And I think the answer is no. So I'd probably end up just going to Amazon and buying everything there, mm. even though I would love to support local businesses. Mm. It's convenient. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's very, very convenient. Well, to get a, a wider perspective of the industry, we have spoken to retail analyst and expert Claire Bailey about the, the importance of Christmas shopping to businesses. Claire, thank you very much for joining us here on Not Your Normal Finance Show. Just how important is the Christmas period uh, for, for retailers and, and who are the biggest sort of beneficiaries? Well, Christmas has been historically one of the most critical times for retailers, some reporting that they'll bank between uh, 30 and even as high as 60% of their annual profits in the pre-Christmas period. Um, Of course, that's that's crucial. We've seen over the last decade that when retailers have a poor Christmas, they perhaps fall into collapse in January or at the next quarterly rent due date, which would be April. So it's not to be underestimated how valuable Christmas sales are. That said, in the last couple of years, as people have taken up more of the sort of Black Friday type promotions and so on, we've seen spending, which which would historically have been in December, pulled forward into November, which in some respects has taken the pressure off the retail supply chains during December. But in other respects, has meant that people have been discounting both for Black Friday and then they've almost taught consumers to discount, uh, to expect discounts throughout December and before Christmas, which we never used to see before. So they're not banking the same profits they used to do in the run up to Christmas. And of course, this year, well, who knows what's going to happen this year, because it's certainly been unprecedented. Exactly. I, just before we, we got onto that, I, I wanted to ask about Black Friday, actually, because mm. you mentioned it just there. I mean, it's such a huge deal these days. And some of the sales you see, I just I can't imagine how anyone's making money on that. Um, what has sort of the Black Friday yeah, sales craze done for Christmas shopping? Well, in some respects, it's helped smooth out the high peak that was happening in the last week of uh, shopping before Christmas. So over the last 10 years, uh, Black Friday began to evolve into the UK. It was brought over from the USA by Amazon. And it's only in the last three or four years that mainstream high street retail have jumped onto it. And uh, what we saw prior to that was that people were holding back and holding back from doing their Christmas shopping, hoping that the retailers would lose their nerve and go into sale early, which had begun to happen. So I think the trend was that people felt uncomfortable buying gifts, knowing that potentially on Boxing Day they were half price. Black Friday, in some respects, took away that nervousness around buying something only to have that horrible moment to think, oh, I spent £100 on that, that's £50 in the sale one day later. So I suppose in some respects, it's taken the nervousness out of gift giving. It's meant that there's less money being given for people to spend in the sales and more actual tangible gifts that make it a little bit more fun for people. 
but you're quite right. There's, there's a lot of discounting that goes on. Now, bigger companies can negotiate and plan in advance these kind of promotions with their suppliers and they take the hit between them. So if, for example, you get a brand like Samsung or uh, Sony or someone doing a TV deal with uh, Dixon's car phone, then you might expect to see huge savings or bundles and buy this and get a free sound bar worth x hundreds of pounds but the reality is that the retailer and the supplier are sharing the loss that that promotion makes so that they're both taking a smaller amount of profit than they would have otherwise done and what it also does is it increases the brand's penetration into the market and it makes the customer therefore committed to a particular brand so there's lots of positive knock-ons beyond just giving away a certain amount of the total price. But what that does, of course, is create disparity between those with big buying power and really entrenched supplier relationships and the smaller businesses who simply don't have the leverage nor the supplier base to be able to negotiate such deals. And just moving on to this year, um, mm. of course, it's been uh, it's been a very uh, an exceptional year, let's say, um, <laughs> without using Certainly the C has. word. Um, uh, but has that seen, I mean, it must've seen a greater shift online and, and was, was that the trend anyway? I, you know, I feel like online sales are are going up and, and is that, you know, is the high street sort of in trouble from that? Well, it's really fascinating. I actually did a conversation with someone about very similar topic yesterday. And I said that the trends I saw this year would have been the exact same trends I'd have talked about in the last couple of years. It's just that this year has accelerated things. So there were a couple of things that were impacting on and forcing change, not necessarily death, but change of high streets. And they were things like the structural issues around business rates, the increased penetration of digital communications and sales, um, the need to integrate customer experience and to make sure that each community was relevant and tailored to the needs and wants of the people it served. Now, that's nothing new. That's the basics of good retailing and place management. But what we saw this year was the equivalent of 10 years worth of growth in online channels in just three months. The ONS had been reporting online sales as a total percentage of all retail sales at approximately 20% for months, many quarters actually consecutively. Suddenly, between January 2020 and April 2020, as we entered national lockdown, that shot up to over 30%. So we've not seen a rise in e-commerce of that magnitude in the uh, preceding few years. It had been a decade's worth of growth. But what that also doesn't reveal is how much more is going on that isn't captured. So things like, I'll give a really good for instance, my little local farm shop has an active Facebook page. They elected to close down even though they sold food, um, but they said that they would deliver mixed food boxes to people within a five mile radius, no charge, and people just had to call them or send a Facebook message to place the order, and then you could pay by backs. Now that's not captured as e-commerce, but a lot of that was happening. And what was nice to see was how agile small businesses became, how more connected with the community they became, and therefore how much more loyalty people felt towards those businesses. So whilst we saw increased demand for online and so on, a lot of the big companies were really slow to respond compared to the small companies. And I think that what we will hopefully see as a prevailing trend from this is that 
online doesn't just mean a sexy e-commerce site. It means using digital channels to communicate with and transact with your customer base, however that may be delivered. It's going to be interesting to see what sticks around, um, what small businesses, you know, have learned from from this period and and what sticks around going forward. Um, Claire, we better leave it there, but thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you. One of the things Claire touches on there is the Black Friday sales craze, which is this thing that's come from America where everyone goes to the shops on the day after Thanksgiving and spends loads and loads and loads of money. And it's kind of come over to the UK, even though it's not a public holiday, the Friday after Thanksgiving in the UK. But people, retailers have still, some retailers have still embraced it. Others have completely ignored it. Next, for example, doesn't involve itself in Black Friday at all. And uh, it seems to seems to work all right for Next, the fact that it hasn't it doesn't bother with this massive sales situation just before Christmas. I mean, Next has always done things its own way mm. um, which is why it's probably the most enduring retailer on the high street why its chief exec is the longest serving chief exec in the FTSE 100 they've always um, they've always done things their way and, and you know heavy discounting is not is not at the core of their model no. and that's ultimately what Black Friday is get the stock out get the stock out um, the big worry of course in the UK is that it just eats into Christmas shopping mm. um, that you're cannibalising the shopping that people are going to do in the in the uh, the weeks leading up to Christmas, so mm. it, it, it always sat badly uh, in terms of the whole retail sector in the UK. Yeah, yeah, but Black Friday this year didn't seem to be quite such a big deal. But again, that maybe because Thanksgiving wasn't really a big deal, and shopping in general isn't a big deal because everyone's pretty miserable at the moment. Uh, they are, they are. I think you know, there's a lot of speculation though that that actually things are going to get less miserable. Uh, particularly for the retailers so. next year. Well, yes, we all hope things are going to get less miserable. But, but in terms of uh, consumer spending, so, you know, people have been sitting at home, people haven't been spending as much money as they, they perhaps do in a normal year. Um, th- there are figures bandied around that, you know, if the average householder saves £7,000 by being locked down at home. And, and the expectation is that this unleashes a wave of consumer spending next year as everybody takes to the shops again. Um, I wonder we how much of that is wishful yeah. thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Without wanting to be too negative on our jolly Christmas podcast, it's uh, yeah, it's it's difficult to see how people are going to be spending loads and loads and loads next year when they're potentially worried about their jobs. There is that that factor does get get overlooked a little bit. I think people will be keeping some back for their rainy day funds. More to the point, I mean, you know. That the assumption is that everybody has been just sitting at home waiting for the shops to mm. open, and, and they're going to go rushing out and spending everything that they've they've set aside. And you know, I just, I mean, maybe it's me. Maybe I just can't get my head around the idea that people want to go shopping more <laughs> than anything else. No, I, uh, I, I would agree with that. But then, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe that is what they're going to be rushing back to do. Although then we talk about behavioural changes which have been accelerated because of coronavirus and the amount of people who have been forced online because they've been worried to go out. And uh, and actually, maybe the fact that they've discovered that they can use online shopping in this time, and they love it. I mean, my uh, my mum was telling me the other day, she was like, oh, I, don't, I don't need to go to the shops this year because 
Amazon brings it all to me, as if this was different. She'd been a big Amazon user for ages, but she's now kind of half using coronavirus as an excuse to not go to the shops as well, even though she feels like maybe she should support shops, but no, she, uh, it's all about Amazon. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, Amazon is, I mean, it is big, obviously, and I think there's a, there's a figure floating around today that of the 5 billion additional spend online during the pandemic, Amazon got 40% of it. I mean, it's, wow. it's, it's a huge, huge figure. That's a huge amount. Um, but actually, you know, even though the UK is one of the most developed online retail markets in the world, I mean, it's, you know, the penetration here is much bigger than, say, say the US even, um, it's still only... Even after the pandemic, it's probably about a quarter mm. of, of shopping is done online. So you can look at that two ways. There's a really long way to go and everything is ultimately going to go online or people actually quite like the high street and, yeah. and shopping in, in, in a physical retail environment. It's, yeah. you know, so so read, that, read that one whichever way you like. Um, but, but actually, you know, there is still a place for physical retail, clearly. Yeah. 75% of spending happens there. Maybe this is what Mike Ashley talks about when he talks about being a bricks man and not a clicks <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. One company that is a uh, a clicks company is Sander, which has had a bit of a turbulent time on the market. But we have spoken to their co-founder and chief executive, Julie Lavington, to tell us about how Christmas shopping has affected them. I am Julie Lavington. I am the uh, co-founder and co-CEO of Sander. Hi, I'm Steve Dilks, and I'm the finance director. Um, so Sander is a women's fashion e-commerce brand, um, and we target um, quite a different audience to the vast majority of the fast fashion e-commerce brands that you'll probably be um, more familiar with. So we target a generation of women who've graduated from the fast fashion brands, from the younger fast fashion brands, uh, women who want clothes that are just as fashionable, but they want clothes that are a better quality, a much better fit and more lifestyle appropriate while still being very affordable. We are a four year old brand. We launched um, launched four years ago by myself and my business partner, Ali Hall. And uh, we've gone from literally a true startup, post-it notes on the wall and, and nothing at all to um, to a multi-million pound turnover business. And we're, we're, we've been a PLC for the last three years. So our financial year, John, runs from April to March. So we're only partway through. We've delivered our half year results. And just to give some stats, we were 52% up on revenue and we were 63% improved on our profit. And that is testament really to everything that the business did to adapt and accelerate developments in the way that our ranges were more fit for purpose for those wardrobe needs but also the way in which that engagement with the customer panned out. So much more at home photo shooting and so forth. So those results and those results have carried on to an extent into the autumn period as well, uh, particularly with our profit improvement. So um, making sure that every, every pound we spend supporting the brand is, is careful because there is so much volatility. It's important that we control costs really well. And when we do spend money, that we're getting the best return on investment for the money that we do incur. And so, as you know, our podcast is all about Christmas shopping this week. And, and we just want to know what does the Christmas period mean um, for brands like yourself? You know, is it the busiest time of year um, or is that a slight misconception, maybe? OK, so I'll start by answering that. So um, the critical time of years, really, for fashion brands 
are a, a change of season. So typically women will buy a bigger volume of clothes around the time when the seasons change. So at this time of year, that tends to be between September and November. So actually the, the biggest time for us is, is past actually the September to November period has been the really critical time for us. Um, and then what tends to happen in December is naturally customer behavior shifts a little and people start focusing on buying Christmas presents. They start buying food and wine. So they're still buying clothes, but that the really important period has, 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 has passed. Um, so despite the, the comparables from a year ago being incredibly high for Sasanda, where we were aggressively acquiring new customers, we've actually hit the record highs of that period of time, which is really pleasing. Um, and that's in spite, of course, of the impacts created by COVID, because that has created all kinds of challenges for, for every business, not, and that includes ourselves. One of the things that we did was accelerate growth in ranges within our categories that were more fit for purpose for the wardrobe needs of being at home. And the other thing that we did to the way in which we engage with our customers through photo shoots, social media posts and alike, we're very much geared towards that at-home experience. So people were still buying sparkles. We sell, we sell a lot of sparkles and they were still buying sparkles, but they were shot maybe with the at-home at mind. So for example, sparkles with slippers. And that really resonated with our customers, which is what's helped us to achieve the numbers that have been so strong through that period. I think what's been quite interesting in this period leading up to Christmas is usually clothing clothing purchase is triggered by people having multiple wardrobe needs so women going you know they're going out to multiple social occasions they're going to work they're going to work do so typically at this time of year women would be buying for for that reason and obviously everybody's been locked locked up at home and not not really going anywhere for the last six weeks or so so uh, but what we've seen is um so although um, our customers have not really needed not really needed new clothes at all. But I think because everyone is so fed up of um, you know the whole situation, is we've seen people really buying clothes just to cheer themselves up and make themselves feel better. So hence to Steve's point, talking about people buying sparkly clothes, what we're seeing women buying things like quite strong colours, so things in gold or champagne colour, lots of sequins, red dresses, red jumpers. They see, The last thing they really want at the minute is black. They want, they want things that are exciting and interesting just to make themselves feel better. And I just wanted to ask, because we've been mentioning on this podcast a little bit about the Black Friday sales, um, is that something Sasanda gets involved with? And um, if you do um just i sometimes look at these these discounts and think you know how 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 can you be making money on these um they seem massive in time so um yeah how do how do you how do you go about navigating black friday so we did do uh we had a really strong black black friday promotion this year um it ran for about just uh, about uh, 10 days i think the black friday promotion at that period at the end of november and uh, we actually had an incredibly successful period. We had two record trading days um, that week and it was very successful for us. The discount was, was 30% um, on all the product. And um, that, that does work for us because we, we, use, um, we use discount codes quite regularly as incentives for new customer acquisition. So it does work for the business model to, um, to roll it out and on, on 
key occasions to use it for all customers to incentivize people to buy. I think um, probably as a snippet that November in totality was a record month for Sasanda. We delivered in excess of 30,000 orders and that was the first time we'd, we'd hit that milestone. Now to get back right back to the start of the quiz question, you were not far off with your 50 quid. The answer is apparently £45 is going to be spent on Christmas stockings this year. So you're slightly more generous than the, than the average population. Maybe you're overcompensating for your years of tangerines and copper coins. Maybe so. Maybe <laughs> so. It doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, you know, when you consider the price of chocolate these days, <laughs> it's, uh, mm. it's very easy to get to 45 quid. Chocolate coins are one of the top stocking fillers for children, apparently. Not copper coins, chocolate coins. I don't know what they're missing. <laughs> Adults just get normal chocolate. I imagine it's often that, like, hotel chocolate kind of stuff, isn't it? That is uh, popular. The popular stocking fillers, they are very expensive chocolates. They are. Perfume, aftershave. See, that's a, that's a present. That's not a stocking filler. That's a generous gift. But it's small, so it can go in the stocking. And there's 20, How big 30, stocking? 40 quid. Th- my stocking is huge. <laughs> socks, that's good stocking filler. Very that, much. Is it? Huh? Is it? Oh, yeah, you can never have too many socks. Yeah. The other thing I used to get in my, my stocking when I was a kid, and I still have the same stocking, Star Wars figures. That's, Ooh. yeah, happy Christmas memories of Star Wars figures. My sister gets a raspberry in her stocking rather than a Satsuma. It's very strange. What's left of it after everything else has gone in that stocking? Not very much. It's always really mushy. <laughs> oh, yeah, Christmas very traditions, odd. very odd. Yeah. She also still, at the age of 26, has a stocking, a separate stocking for one of the toys that sleeps in her bedroom. Which is great, because then she gets an extra present. It's extraordinary. <laughs> Christmas brings out the strangest, strangest behaviours in people. That is all we have time for this week. Not Your Normal Finance Show will be taking a little bit of a Christmas break for the next few weeks. So we hope you have a lovely Christmas, as uh, as happy as it can be in the, uh, in the current environment, and obviously as safe as it can be as well. And we will see you in the new year. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hope I, uh, hope I can find a bit of Christmas spirit soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.